0: Hey Outcomes Rocket Nation, Saul Marquez here. I wanna talk to you about practicing virtually. Fullscript is a virtual dispensing platform that helps practitioners dispense professional grade supplements and improve patient adherence from anywhere. For example, when you write a prescription, it's sent directly to patients via text or email. And when they place an order, the supplements get shipped right to their door. It has the most comprehensive catalog of products and has adherence tools like refill reminders and auto reorder. It's loaded with features like EHR integrations, patient wellness content, evidence-based protocols, and adjustable profit margins. Best of all, it's free. So try Fullscript today. If you're considering adding supplements to your treatment plans, visit fullscript.com rocket. For an extensive guide on supplements and drug nutrient depletion and interactions, visit fullscript.com slash rocket. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez is here, and today I have the privilege of hosting Dr. Gail Gazelle. She's a faculty at Harvard Medical School, a 30-year practicing hospice physician, and a master certified coach for physicians and physician leaders. In addition to publications in the New England Journal of Medicine, O, the Oprah Magazine, and the Journal of American Association for Physician Leadership, Dr. Gazelle is a certified mindfulness teacher, a former consultant for the United States Department of Justice, and one of the nation's preeminent physician coaches, having coached over 500 physicians. She's the author of Everyday Resilience, slated to release August of 2020. And in these times, with a lot of the challenges that we have around the pandemic, but even before the pandemic, we've been plagued with issues around physician wellness and, and burnout, the opioid epidemic. There's, there's, there's issues all around that require expertise and in, in, in guidance. And so today, it's just such a privilege to have you here today, Gail, and, and we're, we're going to focus in on, on the work that you do to help care for the people that care for us. Such a privilege to have you on the, on the podcast today.
1: Thank you, Saul. It's really a, a pleasure and a privilege to join you today.
0: Absolutely. And, and so before we, we take a step toward you know, exploring the work that you do, the outstanding work that you do, I want to learn a little bit more about what inspires your work in healthcare.
1: Hmm, Great question. I would have to say that it is making a difference in the lives of vulnerable individuals that has always inspired me. And when I think back on my career, I was drawn to the practice of medicine because I wanted to help individuals at the end of life. And hospice and end-of-life care was not really a field when I finished medical training in 1990. There was so much pain and suffering physically, emotionally, on a psychosocial level, obviously for the individual who was terminally ill, but also for their families and uh, furthermore for people working with them in healthcare. And so I was drawn to that vulnerable population and wanted to be able to make a difference. As I cared for patients near the end of life, I began to notice that I myself was burning out. I was Mm -hmm. doubting my judgment. I was experiencing self-criticism. I was feeling guilty, guilty when I was home, that I wasn't working. And when I was working, guilty that I wasn't with my son and my family. And I began checking in with colleagues around the country. Uh, This was really in the kind of late 90s, 2000s, and understanding that it wasn't just me and beginning to understand how our training really didn't teach us how to manage all the stresses of healthcare. And so that's when I became more inspired to do what I was doing with end-of-life care, helping those vulnerable individuals and shifting it, pivoting in a sense, over to those working in healthcare. And so that's what I've spent the last decade doing, really helping physicians and physician leaders deal with their own vulnerability in what we all acknowledge now is a very dysfunctional healthcare system.
0: Wow. What a great story, Gail. And, you know, I just, I'm inspired. I got goosebumps actually when you were telling me that, hmm. you know, you, you shifted from, from hospice to physician leaders needing this help. And there's no doubt that our physicians and physician leaders need support. There's no way you could drive on an empty, you know, empty tank of gas. So, you know, t- talk to us a little bit about what you do and and how you do it.
1: Hmm. Well, it's interesting that you say that about running on empty because I mm-hmm. think um, many physicians do run on empty. We actually don't learn that it's important to fill our tank and you know the analogy of a car is a good one we wouldn't get in the car if there wasn't gas we wouldn't yep. you know we wouldn't be driving around the road and yet for many physicians we just don't learn how to take care of ourselves i can't tell you how many physicians i've worked with that don't even eat breakfast for example mm-hmm. it's such a it's such a silly thing but that don't really stop to think, what do I need to do to be at my best today? Whether it's eating breakfast, whether it's meditating, whether it's um, having sustaining relationships, but really focusing on what is it that I need to be at my best. And what I find in the work that I do with uh, physicians in training here at the Bergman Women's Hospital in Boston is that our training teaches us in a way to take care of everybody else, but not necessarily to take care of ourselves. And so a lot of what I'm doing with resilience and coaching is helping to kind of write that imbalance, helping physicians realize not just what's in it for them and their patients to take better care of themselves, but really how important it is as a role model, really for everyone else in the healthcare endeavor, as well as beyond that, to really understand the importance of personal well-being.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and you, you use the word role model, and, and I think that's, that's such a great word to use. When, when you think about your physician, right? Because you think, you think, wow, you know, my physician gives me some great recommendations because of what they were able to do or recommend to me. I'm healthier. What are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> right. right, right,
1: yes, and we have data now that shows that the more the physician is actually engaged, whether it's exercise or, or or managing their own weight, then the role modeling is powerful because it actually can affect the outcomes for patients. So I think we know that in our own lived experience when we go see healthcare providers, but there are actually studies to support it as well.
0: No, that's uh, that's outstanding. And, and so, Gail, tell tell us a little bit about. How what you do is different than what's available and and how is it making a difference?
1: Hmm. Well, again, I trained as a coach about a decade ago with the Mm -hmm. sole purpose of helping physicians who are struggling with burnout and really struggling to have an authentic and important effective voice as physician leaders. So coaching has been around for a while, obviously. It's relatively new in healthcare and even newer for physicians. And Physicians tend to find other physicians more credible, whether they should or not, we could argue, <laughs> but they often do. So for yeah. me as a physician who's you know, been through the rigorous training and has worked you know, in a variety of settings, I think there's some credibility there that helps physicians perhaps be a little bit more vulnerable. Yeah. About their own areas of dress. And you mentioned in the intro that I'm, I'm trained as a mindfulness teacher. I've had a mindfulness practice for some time. I became trained so that I could really hone my skills and add that to what I offer to the positions that I coach. So. Proven mindfulness strategies, proven neuroscience-based strategies are critically important in any coaching, but I think they're particularly important for people with a healthcare background, i.e. physicians. Um, Ways that we can engage the parasympathetic nervous system, for example, not just to bring calm, but to actually level some of the challenging emotions that we encounter professionally so that they don't derail us as we work with either patients or, let's say, in boardrooms. So I I think there's a lot that I can bring to this as a physician and the feedback that I get is that it's
0: helpful. Yeah, you know, and and so I get that, you know, you 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 go through this training and you're like, they don't understand, you know, and Mm. and you're showing up and meeting them where they are, and you do understand because you've been through it and you suffered through it and you've you've seen the other side of the mountain. And so talk to us a little bit about how, you know, or maybe how this, this program has made a difference for some of the leaders you've worked with.
1: Mm. It's so interesting because I think it may come as a surprise to the general non-physician public, just Mm -hmm. how insecure many physicians are, how much self-doubt they have, how many physicians walk around feeling like they're, they're an imposter. And my belief is that there's a lot in our training that sets us up to have a lot of self-judgment, negative self-judgment. For example, uh, we learn in, in medical training that some doctors are really important doctors, the surgeons, the neurosurgeons in particular, and some doctors really kind of are, have lesser worth, the pediatricians, the general practitioners. Now, and, and that's reflected in how doctors are compensated. Obviously, every physician is important and brings different skills, learns different skills, but there's something about that hierarchy that is embedded in the training of physicians that I think in some ways sets us up for things like feeling like an imposter. Hmm. So a lot of my work is on what we might call the backstory of physician burnout and lack of resilience. What is it that physicians learn? What is it about the physician mindset? That makes it difficult for us to focus on our own strengths and accomplishments, for example. I do work right now with um, a large group of physicians in New York City, which we all know has been hit the hardest in the pandemic. And there's a lot of concern that physicians are having when people call them a hero, for example. And we're hearing a lot about the healthcare heroes. And yet many physicians actually feel like they're not heroes. Why? Mm. Because they don't have answers to the COVID pandemic. There are patients who go on and die that those physicians can't help. And the difficulty of focusing on what they are doing to help people, as opposed to the focus on what they're not able to do. I think really drives a lot of burnout for frontline physicians and for the physician executives that I work with. So I think there are a lot of factors here. There's a lot of focus on burnout and the electronic health record, the push to be more and more productive, see more patients in less time, all of which erode a physician's sense of well-being and really their sense of being there for patients. But there's often a backstory, too, that has to do with mindset. That has to do with training that leaves us vulnerable to not having emotional intelligence, for example. And coaching can be very helpful in managing the backstory that then helps change the front story, let's say, of efficacy and getting charts done or or working well with patients and others.
0: Wow. You know, certainly your your understanding of of the you know, I guess it's it's your understanding of of just having been there. You know, that, that and, and, and in particular, I, 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 I like the idea of this backstory of, of mm-hmm. physician burnout. It's like you're going to understand uh, how to influence uh, a, a, a situation or, or your attitude. It's important to know the backstory, and stories can make or break us. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm curious about, your, about the story more. I mean, you know, like better understand that story from working with you and then, and then the impact and transformation potentially that, that, that could come from owning a new story.
1: Mm-hmm. This makes me think of a, a client that I coached a couple of years ago, a prominent medical director who mm-hmm. also had, you know, as many physician leaders do, also maintained her clinical practice. And I'll, I'll just call her Debbie. She came to coaching because she was just drowning in the clinical duties and mm-hmm. frankly the administrative duties, the add-ons, the below grade tasks that physicians are now spending, you know, two hours at for every hour that they're actually working with a patient. So she was struggling because the clinical demands were so great that she really didn't even have time to fulfill her leadership demands. Yeah. And It was really interesting because it came down to efficiency. Gail, how can I be more efficient? But what was really interesting is that when Debbie would sit down to chart, for example, to sit at the electronic health record, instead of sitting there thinking, I'm going to get this done and then I'm going to move on to all the other priorities in my leadership hat, when she sat down to chart, here's what would go on in her mind. Wow, I'm not as smart as other physicians. I'm not as good at being a diagnostician as the other docs that I work with. I got to tell you, Gail, I'm not even sure why they let me into medical school. She'd actually sit there and have these thoughts as she was getting at the end of a busy day, as she was sitting there to get her charts done. So that's what I mean about the backstory, that Mm -hmm. when you're that down on yourself and and really seeing the, the cup so half empty how can you really be motivated to go ahead and get these efficiency tasks done, these administrative burdensome tasks? So that's an example of the backstory. And while it may sound like a stark example, I hear from physicians all the time about these feelings of being an imposter, not as good as, not as smart as, not as efficient as, not as compassionate as. And the cost of that kind of internal narrative story, as you say, Saul, I think is exceedingly high. Mm -hmm. So you know, we can have all the efficiency tools and the drop-down menus and epic, etc. But until we untangle some of that mindset issue, some of these backstory beliefs, in a way, we don't really stand a chance of helping people move forward in these challenging uh, situations. So that's, that's a lot of what I'm doing as a coach. And I think as you can hear, it's immensely fulfilling. You really um, almost help somebody break out of the prison <laughs> that they're mm. in. So there's a lot that I can help people with as a coach. It's just immensely satisfying for me to, um, to be
0: helping people. Wow. You know, and there's so many physicians that are amazing and, and you folks aren't giving yourselves enough credit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you are enough and, uh, you are a hero there, you know, are you're in the front lines and, and oftentimes it takes help. You know, it takes help from somebody that's been there and helped others. You know, I uh Gail, you and I talked before before we connected uh here on the podcast, and I told you I I, I used to have a coach for five years and still have coaches that help me do what I do because I'm um, I'll be the first to admit that you know, I can't do it all. <laughs> and you can't do it all. Mm-hmm. None of so- us can. None of us can. So, so Gail, you know, in your experience, right? I mean, you've coached over 500 physician leaders. That's impressive. First of all, I mean, that's just like, I mean, you were in coaching before coaching was even cool. (laughs) (laughs) What have you learned is, is one of the most common setbacks or mistakes that, you know, that physicians make in in finding their fulfillment?
1: Hmm. Well, again, I think a lot of it has to do with our training. And it it strikes me that even if 1% or even 0.1% of our training was around the importance of mindset, how we approach the issues and problems that we face, I think that we would be struggling much less around burnout. The pressures would be the same, but I think we'd be much better equipped to manage those pressures. So I think physicians come by these challenges, honestly. But in terms of your question, I see physician leaders often being derailed by their own emotions. Uh, They'll kind of lose it in a meeting. They'll become irritable with somebody even sometimes uh, you know displaying all kinds of emotions that are out of proportion to the situation that they're in and so we can all learn to be more emotionally intelligent and it's a tremendous skill we know this in our personal lives that we if we can be a little more emotionally intelligent we can be a little more present with our own family members and not get triggered or provoked in the way that we might. And I think we're particularly seeing that in the pandemic when we're home with family members (laughs) 24-7. So as much as we may love them, emotions can run high. So I see that as a very pivotal part of the coaching endeavor, is equipping physicians with more emotional intelligence, which by definition, makes them more resilient to whatever challenges they face both professionally and personally
0: yeah that's wonderful and and so so tell us a little bit about this book that you have coming out in august um you know it's a sneak peek right now but why resilience right the 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 title is resilience like uh, tell us a little bit more about why you decided to focus there
1: hmm Yeah, Yeah, the title is Everyday Resilience, a Practical Guide to Building Inner Strength and Weathering Life's Challenges. And I tried to take all the lessons that I've learned in healthcare, both working in hospice for decades, working with colleagues, teaching resilience to uh, residents and, and attendings across the country, as well as my experience coaching And I I really began to see how parallel a lot of the lessons I learned really were to everyone, to every citizen, not just to those in healthcare. And what I've seen in the thousands of people I've worked with, whether hospice physicians, et cetera, is that resilience actually lies within each and every one of us. We often think of resilience as being the quality of heroes and heroines Mm -hmm. and Superman and Superwoman, Wonder Woman. But it's actually a deep well that we each have within us. And what's key is learning to tap into that well and learning to replete that well when it becomes dry. Hmm. And with that lens, uh, what I try to do in the book uh, and what I'm excited about is offering simple strategies. The book is full of practical strategies. I think we have about 15 or 20 exercises in there that are very easy to do that can actually help people get in touch with their inner strength, their inner goodness, actually. Help them work with patterns of self-criticism and uh, rigidity so that they can become more resilient even as they're reading the book.
0: Hmm.
1: So I, I, it's my offering. I, I hope it can be helpful to people.
0: And, and it sounds like it could be a, a nice like, desktop reference manual.
1: Hmm. That's my hope, that it's a guide and mm-hmm. that it's a very practical guide. This isn't a big pontification. It's not a 500-page tome, um, but it's really a very practical guide uh, as all of us face challenges, small and large.
0: And Gail, as you've approached coaching as, as, as a core offering for, for physicians, what's a, what's a setback you've had that you learned from?
1: Hmm. What a great question, Saul. Well, about uh, my son is 23 now, Mm -hmm. and when he was 16, 17, he became very sick. And Mm -hmm. it turned out that he uh, had Crohn's disease, which is a fairly significant disease. Mm -hmm. He's doing beautifully now. He's robust. He's the picture of health. But I really had to... um, take my own advice (laughs) about Hmm. slowing things down, about being clear about priorities, Uh, life became very medicalized. And I actually couldn't continue going to a workplace, a hospice that I was working at at that time. So I guess some of my own advice about flexibility and resilience, I really had to do a very major pivot. And I was already working as a coach. Uh, Coaching provided a, a bit more flexibility than the workplace I was in. And so I had to demonstrate the same agility, the same shifts in my own mindset, the same expectations of myself leaving my clinical career and actually leading into my coaching. So that's it's sort of the ripple effect of that. Learning to take my own advice had its own ripples. <laughs> learning wow. to focus on really prioritizing my son, my family, what's most important to me here. And so it was really a learning curve.
0: And 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 so I mean, major kudos to you for that. Uh, and Gail, like in, in retrospect, like what what from that experience has I mean, I mean, the answer to me is clear. But I'd love to hear from you. It is, is has been the biggest benefit from everything mm. that happened?
1: I would say it's a greater ability to focus on what's truly important. We all get very caught up in the weeds, the small Mm. stuff. And to quote from that famous book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and it's all small stuff. I think we often have life lessons that help us zoom out. You know, for me, working in hospice, for people walking along in their lives, everything going fine, plans for a wonderful long life, and then finding out, oh, wow. Now I have that diagnosis that I you know, never thought would happen to me. And how that helps people shift from, again, a small self, a small perspective into something bigger. What's truly important here? How can I really lean into the relationships that are deeply important to me personally and professionally? And what's the legacy that I want to leave when my time comes? So I don't always follow that, but I, I think the experience with my son's illness helped me and, and certainly my work in mindfulness as well helped me to really pay attention to what's most important here and how can I leave that smaller vantage point that, again, we all get caught up in mm-hmm. and how can I really move further than that in terms of how can I be of service to others uh, and, again, what's the most important thing that I can be applying myself to?
0: Wow. That's so powerful. Thanks for sharing that, Gail.
1: Thank you. Thank you for asking.
0: And, and you know, and and I I look at the work that you're up to now, and I mean, all the lives that these physician leaders touch. I mean, your work now, I would even say, is that much more powerful, you know, and that much more widespread.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I I think that physicians are at the core of uh, a healthy healthcare system. And obviously, a healthy healthcare system is at the core of the health and well being of the population. So, whatever any of us can do to support physicians and other healthcare providers, as well as physician leaders, I think is critically important. We have to really face and bolster the well being of those on the front lines and those who are leading. The ones on the front line. So I'm grateful to have the opportunity
0: to do what I do. And and, and so, what what are you most excited about today?
1: Hmm. Well, I'm excited about resilience. (laughs) I really am, (laughs) and and helping people see that it is not just the stuff of the people that we read about. You know, the the heroes and heroines out there. Um, That it helping people see that it really is something that is within us. Because I think the more we shine the light on that we kind of elevate ourselves and we can help people move forward in what I like to think about as positive upward spirals mm-hmm. of growth, of efficacy, of development, of really being of service in, in, in a, in a bigger way. So I'm just excited about understanding resilience and again, being able to share it more widely.
0: Hmm. It's certainly exciting. And the hope that you're creating, Gail, and the inspiration that you're creating with every live that you touch, including this interview, right? You, you're touching many people through this podcast, um, folks. I, I, I strongly encourage that if you are a physician and, or a physician leader, right? Leading physicians or even have a physician friend, you know, we, we've got to spread the word around resources like Gail and the work that she does. Because, you know, if we don't, who is, you know, and, and we have to take ownership as, as leaders of communities, leaders of people, leaders of organizations, if we're going to make a difference. So as we bring this uh, this interview to a close, Gail, I'd love if you could just share us a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could continue the conversation with you.
1: Yeah, one. One closing thought, and this has been so stimulating talking with you today, Saul, and it, it helps me really see how important it is for all of us to prioritize our own well-being. We see in a, in a pandemic and we see in other times just how interconnected we are and that by taking care of ourselves, almost by elevating ourselves, we really elevate everybody. And what could be more important in healthcare? and more broadly as a society. So that's my closing thought that for mm. each and every listener to really think about the more you take care of yourself, the more you can take care of others. So uh, that's my hope for all of your listeners. And in terms of reaching me, my site gailgazelle.com, I'm happy to offer your listeners a, a complimentary 30-minute coaching sessions for those wow. who are curious about coaching, they can get a sample of coaching. Amazing that are struggling, you know, with whatever uh, obstacle in their path, they can get a little complimentary coaching about it. So they can go to my site. The, the scheduler is very easy. It just pops right up. So just want to encourage your uh, listeners to reach out. I'm always happy to, to meet more people.
0: Amazing. So folks, there you have it. She's offering you a free 30 minutes. I mean, that's just <laughs> incredibly generous of you, first of all, Gail. So thank you, uh, you know, for, for offering that to, to all of the physician listener base that we have here. Thank you. Um, and, and listeners, take action, right? If you're, if you're in a place where you feel like you need some help, reach out. If you feel like you're on the top of your game, this is probably the best time to reach out because the best at what they do have coaches. And, and I'm a firm believer in that. And I do believe that if you explore this opportunity, great things will come. Gail, uh, certainly thankful for, for your work and, and sharing it with us today. And, and I'm definitely looking forward to staying in touch and, and even reconnecting when your book, Everyday Resilience, gets out there.
1: Thank you, Saul. This has been such a complete pleasure.